This is Science Friday. I'm Kathleen Davis. And I'm Shayla Farzan. We're sitting in for Ira Flato this week. Later in the hour, how an activist is challenging what climate education should look like. And the National Audubon Society announced it'll be keeping its name despite it being named after an enslaver. What that means for the birding community and what local chapters are doing about it. But first, we recently told you about researchers working to extract health data from your toilet. Right. But now it's time to talk toilets a bit further downstream, specifically what happens after you flush the toilet. In most cities, once you flush, that water and whatever else is in it flows to a water treatment plant. Once it's there, it goes through a bunch of different chemical and biological processes, which clean it up and make it safe to drink again. But a recent paper in the journal Environmental Science and Technology finds that some of those sewage plants may be having a greater impact on the climate than we thought. Joining me to talk about that now is Mark Zondlo. He's a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Princeton University and one of the authors of that report. Welcome to the program. Thank you. All right, let's start with just some of the basics here. Why do sewage plants produce methane? So there's a lot of organic matter and waste, as as one can imagine, and that gets collected by the sewage treatment plant. And the goal of the plant is to clean the water, to put it back into the waterways, to make a healthy environment. But as part of that process, that, that organic material, that waste that comes into the plant, that carbon has to go somewhere, and anaerobic conditions produce methane. And that's where the methane is coming from and can happen in many different sectors of the plant. It can be clarifiers. It can be the sludge tanks. It can be the digesters. It can come from so many different components. Any inefficiency in the plant that creates these anaerobic conditions leads to methane emissions. Now, when we're talking about anaerobic digestion here, we're we're talking about bacteria specifically, right? Munching down that organic matter, that sewage? Correct. And then... The reason why we're talking about methane here is that it's a really big contributor to climate change. Correct. The reason methane is important, it's the second most important anthropogenic greenhouse gas, CO2 being the most important. But what makes methane really interesting and and from a mitigation perspective, it has a lifetime in the atmosphere of about 10 years. So if we can cut methane emissions now, we see a really big impact And it buys us a little bit of time to the climate effects from global warming. Uh, On a 20-year horizon, methane is about 80 times more potent than a molecule of carbon dioxide. So when we're talking about kind of the methods for this particular study, your team basically sniffed the air downwind of dozens of different sewage plants. What does that look like, basically? Like, what, what kinds of instruments are you using? So many times people see us on the side of the highway or driving around. They're like, oh, it's the Google car. I personally think it's much nicer and much much uh, more sophisticated than the Google car. But we have a bunch of laser sensors that can measure methane, carbon dioxide, nitrous oxide, ammonia, and a suite of other gases and weather conditions, winds, wind speed, wind direction. So with this suite of gases, we can fingerprint hey, this is coming from the wastewater treatment plant, or this is coming from this part even of the wastewater treatment plant, and avoid, say, the car exhaust that's around us. And the advantage of our approach is we get the facility integrated emissions. So one of the problems with previous studies of wastewater treatment plants is they look at lagoons or they look at a clarifying tank. They look at individual components of the plant. And that's great. It gives us process-level understanding 
but it's also a little bit biased because it assumes that everything is working perfectly and it ignores the rest of the plant. Hey, we know methane's coming from here. Let's take a couple samples and then we can extrapolate that to the whole plant. But unfortunately, methane's generated in a lot of different parts of the plant and we see methane where we don't expect it to be. And that's the reason why I think we're seeing higher levels of methane is because we can't take individual components of plants and a very small subset of plants taken also at a very limited amount of time and extrapolate that to the entire sector. Right. So when you're talking about collecting these samples from the plumes, how close exactly do you have to get to the plant? Like, Do you need to get permission from plant operators to get those samples? Well, some operators, we do go on site and we have permission to go on site. But generally speaking, we went just downwind, maybe a couple blocks away, no more than, you know, a quarter of a mile. We go on public roads. We sample downwind of the plant. And again, we can fingerprint what other sources of methane are around. Now, the further you get away from the plant, our sensors are sensitive enough to do that. But then you get in other sources of methane that complicate the analyses. For example, if there are natural gas leaks and you're a half mile away, it becomes very difficult to say, yes, this is from the wastewater treatment plant. So typically we're on adjacent roads or within a couple blocks and we can, by location as well as by the fingerprint that we see of the gases, we can say this is coming from this plant. So there are satellite maps, right, of methane emissions out there from natural gas facilities and fossil fuel production. Why can't we use the same kinds of things to look at sewage plants? So wastewater treatment plants, although they seem large at at some level, they're still much smaller than the kind of resolution, the pixel size of satellite. There's some amazing uh, satellite measurements that are both available now and are upcoming in different missions, but they're going to have trouble resolving the scale of a wastewater treatment plant. On top of that, most wastewater treatment plants are in cities. So you have this soup of other sources of methane. There could be a landfill upwind. So satellite pixels are typically on the order of a couple kilometers at the best, and that becomes really hard in a city environment to say, oh, okay, this plume is coming from the plant. So satellite has great applications and and the technologies are improving. So maybe in 10 years, we can individually pick out within part of a city. These are the methane emissions from the wastewater treatment plant. But right now, we just don't have that capability. Okay, so the big reveal here, you collected all this data. What did you find? We found that the methane emissions are underestimated by about a factor of two compared to the IPCC estimates, which is what the EPA uses. And the reason this is concerning is because as we increase urbanization, we're going to have more and more centralized treatment. This is a good thing. However, we need to be very cognizant of how these plants operate, make sure they're operating really efficiently, and therefore to cut down the methane emissions. Cities are looking at net zero plans. You cannot do net zero unless you can look at wastewater treatment. So you had mentioned, you know, these results show that sewage plants are releasing about twice as much methane as we thought. So basically the equivalent of 5.3 million metric tons of TO2, it's about the same amount as just over a million cars per year. But help us put this into context here. Like how big of a contribution to methane emissions are we talking about overall here globally? Globally, the wastewater sector is about 6 to 9% of total methane emissions, but it's really uncertain. Why? Because we're using formulations from a limited number of plants, from a limited parts of the plant at limited times. And so 
it's a really uncertain number. And if we really want to understand where can we have mitigation efforts to reduce greenhouse gases, and like I said, methane's a big one because we can see immediate impacts right away. If we want to do that, we need to start understanding one of the main sectors in cities and also a non-trivial source kind of globally in the U.S. I mean, 6 to 9% or even 3 to 5% in the U.S., it says, well, gee, that's not that much. But when you think about it, one, it's underreported at those levels. And two, with rapid urbanization, with more centralized treatment, these are going to become a bigger problem in the future. We need to pay attention to the sector. And it really hasn't gotten that. They're public utilities. They don't get the extra scrutiny. It's not sexy. Wastewater treatment plants, like you started out the show, toilets, right? So we need to start looking at this. They're highly engineered facilities. They're really actually quite complex and interesting to understand, but they haven't gotten the attention that, say, gas and oil wells have, even though from one very narrowly focused sector, we're talking, you know, five to 10% of the total global emissions, roughly. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there are different types of sewage treatment plants. Are there some plants that are bigger contributors to this methane problem than others? So it appears that the treatment plants with anaerobic digesters, so where they put all the, after initial treatment, they put all the sludge in this container and it, anaerobic bacteria work on it and produce methane. That's how it's designed. Those seem to be leaking more than other types of plants. Now, that's a problem and an opportunity. One, it's an opportunity because if we can capture this methane, we can use it for a circular economy. We can use it to power the plant, for example, and that methane doesn't escape to the atmosphere. So there are opportunities with this, but these digesters leak. And it's, it's very common with the gas and oil supply chain. Anytime you have methane infrastructure, it leaks through valves, it leaks through seals or O-rings. I mean, just it's hard to capture methane. And I think the gas and oil industry has seen that. And I think we can take advantage of some of the lessons learned there. Let's pay closer attention to these anaerobic digesters. Let's try and identify the leaks and let's cut this out. So really it is a win-win for the environment. Obviously, we're not going to be, you know, stopping flushing our toilets anytime soon and right. producing this waste. But it sounds like there are some things that we can do to try to prevent these leaks and try to stop them at the source then. Correct. We need a greater focus on trying to identify where the leaks are. We need greater monitoring, both on-site as well as a kind of, hey, let's look at facility level. Where is it leaking that we didn't think it was? But also, we need more information about the plants themselves. Because these are typically funded by public entities, there's surprisingly not as much information. You know, what's happening, what was built in the 1960s still may be used today, but they're newer reactors. There are reporting requirements, but typically the reporting requirements are for water, which is a good thing. But we also need to look at the air side of things, and that has kind of been neglected. And what our study shows, along with a study by my colleague Shui Hong Song and Jason Ren, they looked at the same sector that we did from looking at thousands of papers in the literature and came to the same conclusion, methane is underestimated by about a factor of two. So both studies coming from independent methods show that you know, we need to pay attention to methane, but a lot of this is we don't know where in the plants it's leaking from. That could be parts of reactors that aren't being well aerated or parts of reactors that aren't being well mixed. It could be leaks from the digester, anaerobic digesters. We need to look at the system with the level of scrutiny to understand and address the magnitude of the problem that we're facing. 
Mark Zlandolo is a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Princeton University. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you, Shayla. It was a pleasure to be on.